0: when you're there, click on the podcast button. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lastly, the best way to keep up with our programs and trips is to join our email newsletter. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft podcast. We had a brief hiatus since our last episode um, that we'll talk about today. Basically, we were hit with it's really challenging to do two of these a week and run a semester course. So last week we were in the field the entire week away from the field school um, and we just didn't have an opportunity to get anything recorded. So we're back at you today. Today is the day after halfway day on the fall 2018 Wilderness Bushcraft semester, halfway being the time where we're four and a half weeks in with four and a half weeks to go in our nine-week semester. So now we're on the downhill slant. Uh, I'm Are here, we ever. <laughs> I'm here with Christopher and Colin this morning, and we've got a few items to talk about, a little bit of housekeeping, if mm. you will, uh, which is ironic because we're in, in sort of an unfinished shack. <laughs>
2: That, that seems appropriate for everything we do.
0: <laughs> Housekeeping in a shack.
2: First of all, listener
0: emails and listener comments. We had a great comment um, from a guy who was talking about our episode about Leave No Trace uh, minimum impact versus displaced impact. Um, and he was really interested in talking about, you know, what sort of kit can you bring that is has a minimum impact on the planet as a whole. And we went back and forth with a couple of emails. It's challenging to have something that is both portable and like 100% renewable, right? Like uh, to use an example, like I can make a really warm bed out of boughs and a whole bunch of dry grass or hay. But I, it's really hard for me to move that thing, right? If I had a giant, if I went out with the scythe and cut a whole mess of grass... Made a big bough bed, piled like four feet of grass on top of it. That's a really warm bed, but man, does it suck to move. And it's going to be full of mice in a couple of days. Well, haven't you ever
2: heard of the Northwoods Motorhome? No. It's just one of those beds tied to the back of an ox. You just go wherever you want.
0: An ox carrying like eight bales of hay and a Mm -hmm. mountain of boughs. Yep. Uh, Interesting. No, I never heard of that. I just made it up. That's why. (laughs) Oh. Well. Okay, then. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Yeah, and and that also, you know, using forest resources like that works great if I'm the only guy out here doing it. But if I go down to like Mount Katahdin, where there's lots of people recreating all year, you know, you can't be that consumptive of resources, even when they're renewable. Things like hay and boughs, they grow back, right? It's not, we're not harvesting or mining we're just, you know, tipping trees and cutting grass and it all grows back. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in a high use area, I don't recommend that. We get away with it here because there's nobody around. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a conundrum. I think that, you know, being able to be portable and reusable and eco-friendly, you know, you're, you're back to that old game of trying to serve multiple masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they the uh example that that he used in his email um you know maybe a couple of wool blankets sourced locally or something and yeah that's probably not horrible um from the perspective of resource use in the planet um but yeah it's a challenge definitely and i think in many ways you almost have to pick your battles right like You can't necessarily be 100% perfect all the time. You just do the best that you can do with the the opportunities that you have. Um, Anyway, but at the end of his email, he had a great line about, uh, and I quote, maybe folks will focus on spending time in nature instead of trying to bring civilization to nature, unquote. Mm. And I love that because I think about... uh, this summer on the on the canoe expedition, we spent a couple of, we spent one night, uh, two nights at in Baxter State yeah. Park. Yeah. And, you know, people come in with their RVs and stuff and it's like, we're camping. Well, you know, sort of, but, you know, everything is on your vehicle. Maybe mm-hmm. you've got a big motor home. Like, I don't consider that interacting with the natural world when you have a massive fifth wheel or something, you know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but, you know, let's call a spade a spade and define Mm -hmm. it what it is. That that's much more bringing civilization to the natural world than it is interacting with the natural world. And I think what we're trying to do here on our courses is much more bring people to meet the natural world as opposed to just load up everything you have at home, get a big enough vehicle and bring it all
2: with you. Yeah, well, it's sort of that same thing we talk about all the time with the outdoors being... really pity backdrop. We talk about it in regards to outdoor education, but I think it's also true for people that want to go and have these experiences in the outdoors. They're having the same experiences they would have have at home, um, but they're just doing it with a nice backdrop that they can open to. It's like the people that go on vacation to Florida and eat at the exact same places that they ate at home because of chain restaurants. It almost feels like that to me.
0: It's like, going on vacation to Aruba, which is a suburb of Boston. A friend of I, mine got married I, there. I went down to the wedding. You go there, and it's like everybody's from Boston. There's a Dunkin' Donuts on yeah, every corner Yeah, that's what like, I Boston, mean, right? Like you, like where you, are we? You, oh, we're in Aruba. Yeah, oh, if you, go,
2: if you want to go to the outdoors and bring all that stuff with you, I think you're missing out on a lot of opportunity to enjoy the outdoors because you're bringing all that baggage Liter- uh, like literal baggage and mental baggage along with you, yeah,
0: or like sometimes i'll say that I like to camp the old fashioned way where I hire a hundred local people to
2: carry all my stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> one of them has their gun o- your gun over their shoulder, and they just <laughs> kneel down when you're ready to shoot, whatever it is you're hunting, yeah, exactly, um,
0: cool, yeah, well, I think that was uh thank you very much for that yeah. email uh loved it, um we also had a comment on a previous episode and uh the comment was very good it made us all think it was from uh, somebody named missy who basically took exception to our episode on outdoor leadership um and the it was a great comment thank you for writing missy and essentially it had to do with the fact that we were sitting around joking around lots of jokes about liquor and stuff Mm -hmm. and you know her point was that you can't really or a From her perspective, the two things don't mix, right? Like good leadership, joking about liquor and stuff, they don't mix. And, you know, we thought about it after we received the comment and, you know, we agree. We agree with you. And I think it's a good jumping off point to talk about, you know, we include a lot of satire in this podcast. Mm -hmm. So we're always balancing how to have a conversation about a topic, but also to keep it kind of, fun and light and joke around about it yeah so the you know when we're talking about things and we throw in really bad jokes or you know really kind of just stupid humor that's what it is i don't want the listeners out there in podcast land to get the idea that like when we're in the field actually doing uh, yeah, the stuff absolutely. that we do we're not always it it's not that jokey but it's just a way that we sort of manage these discussions yeah
2: and i think it's also um important to point out that we we you know as she said in her comment like we're just sitting around joking and we i think it's easy for us to forget that we're talking to other people that don't know us and don't know like you know our personalities and how we interact with each other up here and the joking is a very big part of daily life up here and Um, because if we didn't we'd be crying yeah exactly (laughs) like it would just be it it, yeah
0: but nine weeks (laughs)
2: yeah nine weeks nine weeks don't go too easy without a lot of really bad jokes but i but like you said i think the point was really valid that um that if we were talking about outdoor leadership and professionalism and we were joking about booze the whole time Mm -hmm. maybe that doesn't send a great message no it it it's it not definitely. It, it definitely it definitely did not, not send a great message, and she was absolutely right. Absolutely um, right. And I was thinking,
0: like, from the perspective of like expeditions that I've led and things. Yeah. Like, if somebody is like, you know, unable to particip- participate yeah. without bringing a ton of liquor. Yeah. But that person sent home. Yeah. Right? yeah exactly. Like, you know, absolutely. We we joke
2: about it here, but it's not a part of no of not expeditions
0: remotely. and and
2: leadership. But you know. I think that's part of the reason we have a dry campus, because she's right, is that um, alcohol does not lend itself well to to an educational experience or an experience where people are trying to learn to be leaders. Um, we can joke about it all we want, but that's that's the bare bones of it, is that it doesn't really lend itself to that.
0: Yeah, and as someone who's been doing this for a long time, I've seen the wheels come off the bus when people get into the booze yeah. uh, on numerous occasions, and it's not pretty. It doesn't lend itself well to really anything, so uh again thank you for the for the comment um missy uh you know good comments i think good good contacts like that make make us think yeah oh absolutely and we we thought about it we had a discussion about it, and maybe we need to tone down the humor on here mm-hmm. but again, you know it is uh a conversation where we're joking around and and you know playing off one another. Uh, sure. So we want to get some good information out, but also kind of goof off and poke fun of each other at the same time. So, so this is, you know, a lot of it is satire. Take it with a grain of
2: salt and yeah. Or elbow noodles and salt.
0: Elbow noodles and salt. Hmm. What a great segue yes, into exactly. talking about uh, one of the things that we have people do. One of the exercises on the semester course is we have students do food and water logging for a week each near the beginning of, near the, beginning of the course. So they'll, students will write down every drop of water that they drink throughout the day for seven days. And they'll also write down everything that they eat during the day for seven days. And we use that information when it comes time to plan for trips... Uh, into the field, on the river, on the lakes, whatever. Um, We use that for students to know, uh, with regards to water, how much water they drink every day. So how much water they need to plan to process, uh, sanitize every day. And also with food, how much they eat and what they like to eat. Um, And we've seen a variety of diets. wide range. Over the the years. years. Like we've had people who are vegan. We've had people who are hardcore carnivores. And sort of everything in the middle. Um, The goal when we go out is to give your body the the food and basically the fuel that it needs to run at a high level of efficiency. right? And if you're eating really crappy food, um, you're not going to be able to put out the energy that you need to in order to be efficient and to function um, on an expedition or even on a short trip. You can get away with it for a few days, but if you're eating, like, Pop-Tarts and granola bars that are just loaded with sugar, you're going to pay the price. You're not going to be able to keep up. Um, You know, our favorite, I'll let you tell the favorite story, and maybe he's listening about the uh, elbow noodles and salt.
2: Yeah, we had a student. uh, He was up here for a little (laughs) while, and he knows who he is, but um, he... Yeah, his meal plan was essentially elbow noodles and salt, and he did this on a few different occasions, on a few different trips, and um, on one of them, uh, he had been eating elbow noodles and salt. And then he and I got obliterated by black flies at a specific stretch of the river we were on, and that night, like he he was, he just had like a, a not a good. Uh, he was pallid. Talented would be the word I would use. To he describe was him
0: noticeably more. looking yeah. less
2: healthy each day. Yes, like, exactly. Noticeably
0: looking worse, and like, then, visible to he, all. Yeah,
2: um, he started to look look a little corpsey, to be honest. And then we got to one of the last campsites we were going to be on, and Tim, I mean, in all in, in a, for all intents and purposes, held him down and forced <laughs> that him a pork chop and a carrot. And within about five minutes, like he had color again, his energy levels were up. And I think I and, think. And, everybody noticed it It was like it was was a visual transformation we're like what just happened um yeah it it was uh, and the next day and you know and i think that that was finally the point where he understood that like you know young guy like just eats whatever is easy all that stuff and at that point i think he understood like the need to put good fuel in your tank right especially when you're working hard there's a reason why people will get like phds in nutrition and stuff because
0: like if you put good fuel into your body it can work a lot harder (laughs) if you consistently put really bad fuel into your body you know it it doesn't work well like i think years of like you know prisoners of war and (laughs) prison camps and stuff have worn that out yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah uh it's super important for for proper fuel and i think especially on trail or um because you're just you're just moving every day you're physically active i mean paddling all day every day yeah Yeah. all day every day get up
0: and the only engine that you have is your body Mm -hmm. yeah there's no like gas powered motors electric motors no if you want anything done your body has to get it done yeah so to think about like imagine putting really crappy gas with water and stuff in it into your car and then trying to drive like i don't know four or five straight days like across the country with
2: crappy gas yeah
0: you know, you're going to break,
2: break down. down in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And that story right there, ladies and gentlemen, is why I've been in Maine for the last two years. <laughs> My Jeep does not work anymore. You're going to break
0: down in Ohio. You know, you're going to try to get the thing fixed. Eventually, you're going to realize it's going to take a few months. You'll take on some some crappy little job. Next <laughs> thing you know, it's 30 years later. You're still stuck in Ohio. You just Or now Or
2: Maine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think this actually pairs really well with the comment we had um, from the guy that was emailing you about... People wanting to bring civilization into the woods. Um, there's a right before we went on trail uh, last week. Tim and I were in town and we walked into Martin's, which is a little sort of uh, I don't know what to call it. So a little whatever you want, it's kind
0: of like a surplus. Store yeah, just
2: a, there's just everything. The,
0: there's never the same thing twice. Yeah, right? it's like a department store. It's like the size of a Walmart, but everything. the Cave of
2: Wonders. It's like the Cave of Wonders King in was. Alaska. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I Mardin's is the Cave of Wonders. In where? Where is that from? Aladdin. Where's that? The giant tiger?
0: North of caribou or something?
2: Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's exactly north of caribou. Like two clicks anyway so <laughs> so we walk in and the first thing that we see are um it's moose and bear season up here right now yeah lots of hunters yeah. on their way up to the counter. so the first thing they have inside martin's are these pre-packaged meals and tim and i kind of laughed and looked at them and they're all like backpacking meals yeah right? exactly Every, it comes in a plastic bag you basically pour hot water
0: into it and yeah eat it out of the bag and it's
2: it terrible
1: 15 bucks a
2: they're awful packet. they're absolutely terrible and i think that by doing that and like by trying to take what's easy, you miss out on exactly what we were talking about earlier about the 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 amazing outdoor experiences that come from knowing knowing the ecosystem you're working and knowing how to use those materials wisely. We we cook on trail I I think I eat better on trail than I do when I'm in camp. In camp I'm tired and I just want to eat something and then go to bed. But when we're on trail and like we have a lazy afternoon and evening to cook, like I eat good, and we, you know, and that comes with knowing, knowing how to use fire as a cooking tool. That a lot of people don't know all the, t- you know, all the little tricks we use, like the raquettes and the long fires and stuff like that. And in doing that, in knowing the systems well, you, you know, we've talked before about our Bonaventure wrap up. Like that, that couldn't have happened if we didn't know how to cook well on trail. Like it would have just been, we would have been. If, are, you can be a lot more flexible with your food if you know the systems well so the story was... of the bonaventure wrap-up was we on the bonaventure river we uh
0: we had a gear malfunction and some water got into one of the food boxes and spoiled a, spoiled a dinner right uh yeah bring it in yep. okay. um spoiled the dinner so we had to improvise our last night on the trail and we had like uh pork uh, back bacon what did we have apples we made this awesome feast. it was really good Uh, but the idea is uh you know when you know what you're doing then improvising becomes a lot easier i think we eat better on the trail also because we plan for those meals plan and provision and have an idea of what we're going to eat in advance whereas at home often you sort of wait till you're hungry and then you're like i'll make this but you know when you've got a menu scheduled uh it just lends itself really well to to planning and and eating, well, you know.
1: I think that um, well, one, I, I live, having been on trail and the in the process of planning out my meals, um, has has um, ended up being uh, like, I've been habitualized to do that at home and have actually you know made me more efficient cooking at home and you know, has subsequently saved me a lot of money.
0: Whatever that's worth um but Did hear s- that? that that means like your life is better. Be- My life is better because of bushcraft.
1: Because of bushcraft, yes. It it, it it's all encompassing. Well, you
2: said whatever it's worth, it's worth whatever money you saved,
1: it, right? Exactly, exactly. And uh so yeah, and that's you know, what we're you know, one of the things, one of the many benefits of that, um, also, uh, like you said, um, you know, we, we plan, we plan for, um, eating on trail, you know, we make time, we make sure we make time because the meals is, is very important. We, we, we make sure we have time to cook. Yeah. That's
0: It's it's an important part of the day. I think at home, often, we will not want to invest time into cooking. But food is culture. And a lot of what we're doing on the trail is we're passing on that culture of the North Woods, right? So gathering around a fire, getting a whole bunch of cook pots on the fire, making a good meal, that's a huge part of the experience. Well,
2: we talked about it um, last week when we were were sitting around in the morning having coffee. Campfire was still going. And we mentioned... um, you know, Tim mentioned that this is how people should have coffee as opposed to driving. You know, we were just sitting around talking about everything rather around, than being
0: stuck in a circle. Well, there was three of us. so It was more like a triangle.
1: Well, still, but like that's just how we It could have. Been. But
2: so anyway, the point that I'm making is that um, that that experience having coffee is something much more valuable than having coffee while you're driving, you know, yeah. downtown to your office job and listening to the radio and. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's. Yes. The, the point yes, is, it's I, more I,
1: natural I, for us to be in that kind drinking of. Drinking
2: coffee? 350,000
0: years of anatomically modern humans on the planet. We've spent a lot more years gathering around a fire, sipping hot drinks, yes, than we exactly. have. Exactly. Miserably chugging them in traffic, stressed out of our minds, mm-hmm. white knuckling the wheel with one hand while White knuckling your shoveling, coffee cup with the other?
1: Yeah. Shoveling reef. Deep deep fried food, whatever it is, down our down our throats. I mean
0: I just started salivating.
2: I, yeah. I mean <laughs> we're <can> gonna <laughs> do that on trail too. Where right, can so I get this deep fried food? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're gonna end here. We're gonna go to Dunkin' Donuts and uh, We're not going
0: to Dunkin' Donuts. No, we're not. We're not. Because that's like we're old. not. But there is there is a new cafe Ooh. opening in Ashland. So we are all excited about that. And if it were open, we would go there.
2: Yeah, my heart's all a flutter.
0: I'm not going to some crappy chain restaurant, but I will go to a local joint.
2: Anyway, sorry. I'm going to bring him like a Dunkin' Donut one day and tell him it's from the bakery and just see what he thinks. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) They're all Dunkin' Donuts. Donuts are terrible. I know. They're terrible. They are terrible. It's just like, yeah. Anyway, the only... This podcast brought to you by (laughs) Timmy Hortons. (laughs) <laughs> the the old-fashioned donut is the only, like, remotely real donut that they have, I think. But we're into that apple cider donut season. I, I guess we should do a whole episode on donuts. Donuts, of course, invented in Portland, Maine by a sea captain. I have it in a book called... What's it? Bull Cook, somewhere up there. I'll I'll dig that out today and we'll go over the story. But it used to have a nut in the middle and they were all soggy. And then they he came back and had these special... Cutters made that cut out the middle of the donut, which gives us our modern donut with no center. Hmm.
2: Yeah. So cooking on trail is great. <laughs> um, but to that, we're—I mean—we're joking about donuts. But I've made donuts on trail before. Like I have too. I it, yeah. I know. And fry bread. Yep. Well, yeah. And I, deep fried onions. Two. But donut but donuts. my point my point is that sort of circling back to that story about the prepackaged meals and Martins like. That's not fun to eat. Like it's not an experience to eat. But if you if you go on trail and suffer, and that's how you want to do it, great. But I think the thing people can take away from being up here is that you don't have to. You can live and eat really well on trail if you know a few basic sim- simple systems, um, like how to make donuts.
1: So the price of one of those meals—that is well, true. If as they're well, at yeah.
0: margins, they're pretty cheap. So these things are all on sale. So, and they're, they're not they're a not bad a, thing to have around the house, like in praise of the prepackaged backpacking meal. You know, it's not a horrible thing to have around. It's not the greatest thing. No, think like about a some backup, other maybe, but yeah, like I don't you're know. Not sure,
1: base your yeah. diet. Especially on trail around a bunch of those, you know. Just... Note to so, self, so, here's
0: don't tell these guys that I bought eleven cases of those from Martins, <laughs> and I'm going to live off of them. So here's how I know. Here's
2: how 18. I know that um, that Tim is joking about buying those <laughs> because those are also if in talking about the um, the comment about you know like a sustainable kit that you bring with you. If we when we pack meals we can pack it all in stuff that we bring back and reuse over and over. If I buy one of those prepackaged meals, I come back from on trail with a bunch of plastic wrapping and I probably leave a bunch of corners of that wrapping at the campsites I'm at. And as oh an exact, this is exactly God, why I know no. Tim would never actually buy these is because those little bits of micro trash are micro trash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so along with that donut, I'm going to get Tim. I'm also going to leave like, like a chalk outline of micro of little corners of granola bars around micro him while he's sleeping. The devil. But it but it, <laughs> the point still stands, right? If you want to live sustainably on the land, pack your food in with you and bring it in stuff you can use again and cook it and you'll not only eat better, you'll also be feeding that need to interact with the earth in a way that you're not um you're not leaving it worse than you have to, I think. I want to do a
0: trip like old school Polynesian explorer like In my canoe, I want like six chickens, two (laughs) pigs, like a coconut palm tree in a little planter. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) I I want want one of those trips. Yeah, like a big sack of flour, a couple of chickens, a rooster, so there'll be more chickens. A barrel full of sugar. A barrel full of lard. That's what it would be, lard, yeah. And a barrel full of coffee and like a whole bunch of beans. Anyway, but I want to travel with live animals. I I see your point. That's my point. Can we call it Tim's Ark? That would be something. (laughs) I I mean, the other... I mean, so yeah, we're joking. But yeah, the other thing is the idea of like planning to harvest fish and game and wild plants on the trail. And that, my experience has been whenever you plan... So if I say, you know, I'm planning out my menu and I'm like, Monday, uh, rice and beans. Tuesday, I'm going to catch fish and have them for Mm. dinner. Whenever I have that actually written down, I will never catch a fish on Tuesday. No. No. It's the day when I've got like 20 million things to eat. You know, I've got, oh, well, we're going to make donuts and we're going to make sourdough onion rings mm-hmm. and we're going to bake a loaf of bread and we're going to have a Dutch oven full of greasy pork or something. <sighs> that That's the day when I already have too much food that I can eat when I'm going to be like, oh, and I caught like 11 lake trout. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but whenever I'm planning, day. like, yeah, wow, things are going to be tight that day. I'll fish all day. Those are the days you get skunked. Yeah. yeah. The universe has a funny sense of humor. Yeah.
2: Is funny the right word?
0: Ironic. Mean. Cruel.
1: Wouldn't yeah. that be redundant? Heartless. Funny sense of humor because it's humorous and it's funny. It's
2: re- I guess. It re- could be. It, In some circles. It, maybe, maybe it's a planned redundancy. Maybe, yeah, it's like. Re- re- I know I'm not funny, podcast, so I have to try to be doubly funny.
1: This podcast will not tolerate redundancy. On this podcast. All right. I'll leave.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm superfluous to this equation. I understand.
0: So if you're curious, uh, shameless marketing plug, uh, I wrote a book. It's called The Woods Cook. You can get it on Amazon. uh, Subtitle, uh, Outdoor Cooking with a Professional Guide, where we outline a lot of the systems and have some... It's more about outdoor cooking systems than it is about recipes. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of recipes in it, but it's the systems that we use on the trail Um, so if you're curious, I don't know, I think it's 10 bucks, uh, for a copy on Amazon, but the woods cook by Tim Smith, you can Google that. It should come up. And if you're curious about how we do things and you don't have the opportunity to come up here and spend time with us, that would probably be a good place to,
2: at the very least you'll learn how to make donuts. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the selling point, right? If it's shameless marketing, like you'll learn how to make donuts by the honest,
0: I don't know if there is a donut specific chapter I there's can, no chapter no on chapter there. but there's a no, recipe it goes for goes it in there, there, right? yeah. Any, yeah any bread you can make into donuts yeah um just deep fry it i was trying to help tim it's okay <laughs> you,
2: you you ruined it i get it i'm redundant <laughs> i'm superfluous to this situation i will leave
0: uh yeah so food is very important on the trail are we in agreement Yes. no food is just very important in life right like yeah. life is too short to eat elbow noodles and salt day after day right. and watch your level of health just slowly and circle I, the drain yeah
2: i think that's sort of the 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 biggest point we're trying to make here is that um and i don't know where it started but like this idea that you have to like not eat as well as you do at home when you're out in the woods i think is i don't know where it came from but i think it needs to die a slow mm. miserable death because. Yeah if you especially if you're out on show would it be hard. better if it just died and went away does
0: it have to be a slow miserable death no i think it can inanimate <sighs> objects like
2: ideas die it's not an object if it's an idea tim interesting hmm. or would it just go away is
1: it already on the other side though
0: Ooh, this is like plato's cave mentality yeah
2: so my point is that, <laughs> that's my point, is that if you, um, I don't remember my point now. This happens at least When once I was in episode. high school,
0: we used to go backpacking up into the White Mountains in New Hampshire. And I, I will never forget, we would eat so poorly. I mean, I remember I had a can, there's this stuff, I think it's Dinty, Dinty Moore, Moore beef stew. And I had this big can of that. And it would come in like these little keg cans, right? Like a massive amount of beef stew where if you were yeah. really hungry, you'd eat the whole thing. And but it was so it it was so bad that I remember I had one and I was like well if all else fails I'll rip into the dinty more and that thing went on just about every trip and I would bring it back because I was I didn't want to eat it because it right. was gross mm-hmm. and the, like the last day the entire discussion was always about what are we gonna get when we get to the diner yeah. or like yeah. McDonald's back in the day right yeah. like and I remember thinking like I want to up my outdoor cooking game yes. to the point where. People will not talk about that the last mm. day. And they still do to some extent. But if you're eating really well, it's not like, oh, I've been eating elbow noodles and salt for 10 days. Yeah. I can't wait to get some real food at a greasy spoon.
1: And the point of that is is the enjoyment that you get from the meals itself and from cooking it. You know, when you're eating really good out, in the, out on trail, like, you're not really thinking about um, these diners. Maybe... Yeah, maybe you know you have a certain spot, grannies, um, that you like to go. Did to. you say grannies? Did you say
2: <laughs> grannies? Whoa, it's it's Grammys, Grammys, country Grammys.
1: Oh, well, the portions. I mean, I,
2: I don't don't I try to thinking, you don't try to, try to wiggle, wiggle out, out of it. this right now.
1: I I don't know. I start I start eating there and I just forget everything. I just, All right, I start, I'll give it I, I go into a complete coma. That stands out. That yeah, stands out. I, I lose. <laughs> In, oh, in, in
0: Linneus, Maine, just south of Holden, is a restaurant called Grammy's Country Inn. And they have massively large portions. Delicious. So when we go down and run the St. Croix River down east, not our local St. Croix here in Misardis, but the one Vanceboro to Kellyland down there, on the way back, because it's right on the way, we'll often stop at Grammy's. And it is if you're in northern Maine, it's the ultimate uh, post-trail place to stop and eat whoopie pie is the size of your head. The whoopie pie is like five pounds yeah. you can
1: get a burger the size of northern maine yeah pretty
0: much it's which is hard for them to serve it so because you know. it's it, yeah but it's like all... if you order like a large french fry it comes and it's like a five gallon bucket full of french fries yeah yeah it's uh it's a lot of food anyway
1: the fries are stumbling over uh route two
0: yeah have either of you guys had breakfast yet
1: no <laughs> okay now this is all making sense now <laughs>
2: Anyway. See
0: that's why you eat <laughs> breakfast before you go on. Well, you know, a lot of I three three out of five doctors say that breakfast is one of the three
2: most important meals of the day. Do they say that, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, eating well on trail is super important. Um it keeps your energy levels up and it's also makes I think makes the experience of living in the outdoors much more enjoyable. Yes. Um and if you're going into guiding, if you're going to take yeah. people
0: out, like that's a foundational skill, yeah. right? No one's going to want to go on a second trip with you if you're taking them down the Allagash and you're feeding pouring,
2: them dinty more. You're yeah. pouring
0: boiling water into the backpack and meals you got yeah. on sale at yeah, Martins, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that'll be Here a, you go. that'll be a one and done. <laughs> yeah, trip, right? exactly. They they want they, people want to experience things like a big Dutch oven dinner, like sourdough biscuits in the reflector sure. oven, like. That's fun. That, yeah. Uh, you know, that's, it, it's what people want to do, yeah. I think.
2: They well, want, it, they want to eat the well. people what they
0: want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Which is the slogan down to Grammys. <laughs> is it? I don't know. Okay. Let's go give these guys <laughs> breakfast. <We> Let's <should> just start <laughs> wrapping up here. Yeah. So, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with somebody. Uh, I listened to a podcast recently and they were like, lots of people don't know how to subscribe to podcasts. So, yeah, help somebody subscribe to it or share it with a friend or leave us a comment or something.
2: Yeah, that's. I wanted to jump in. I think um, the comments and emails that we get about this are a lot of fun and they'll often give us new things to talk about and new perspectives that we haven't thought of yet. So. Thank you to the two people that did and gave us something new. And if anybody else has two questions... People. You mean the 6,000 people that have commented and emailed? The two that we talked about today, Tim. Oh. Um, but yeah, if it, you got to stop doing that, man. <laughs> I get so derailed. Um, but no, if other people have questions or... Um, insights that we maybe don't touch on bring them up email us write us a comment because we like that stuff and we like having new perspectives to think about this stuff through because
0: and after 50 episodes i can yeah i can we're... guarantee you we have absolutely nothing left to say to each other <laughs> no like i won't speak to either of these guys until we record another one of these we just kind of walk That's by each you other go... and avoid our eyes <laughs> yeah exactly on, you know, exactly <laughs> anyway yep thank you for listening hope you have a great day take care we'll hit Bye. you back soon